He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, Today is a glorious day. Chris Wallace has left Fox News. Oh, my God. Fox News left Chris Wallace a while ago when Wallace decided to move to the left, and then Fox joined him on the left. And we owe to Chris Wallace a lot of Joe Biden's election as president. When they were doing the debates, the first debate, the the moderator was was Susan Page, and she was pretty left-wing. So for the second debate, they got the Trump campaign to agree to Chris Wallace as the moderator under the theory that he was from Fox News and therefore would be conservative or at least balanced. And uh, that would offset the liberal treatment Trump got in the first debate. Then Wallace comes on and it becomes a three-way debate uh, in which Wallace sides with Biden on issue after issue and basically does a better job of debating Trump than Biden did. Now having foisted Joe Biden on the United States and having installed a totally incompetent, senile idiot as president, he walks away and we are left to deal with the wreckage. And my message to Mr. Wallace is... You know, when um, a thief finds that he's stolen Confederate money and that the money he's got is unusable and nobody will take it or it's counterfeit money and everybody turns it down, he's stuck. I mean, he spent his lifetime robbing stores and holding people up and he amassed a fair amount of cash and now he finds he can't do anything with it. Well, that's the predicament that Vladimir Putin is about to find himself in if the United States punishes him for an invasion of Ukraine that he's contemplating. What the U.S. wants to do is to ban Russia and Putin in particular from using the SWIFT system, S-W-I-F-T. That stands for Society for Something and Something and Something, <laughs> which essentially, uh, that's the technical term, yeah. <laughs> which essentially uh, is the place you have to go for any international transfer of money. Uh, if you want to wire money or send a check or uh, do any use of money across national boundaries, you have to go through the SWIFT system. And since Russia doesn't have much of an economy of its own and not a whole lot to buy, uh, Putin has got to go through SWIFT to be able to use that money. And the United States has already cut Iran off from the SWIFT system and is threatening to cut Russia off from the SWIFT system. When Medvedev was the prime minister of Russia, when Putin was on a four-year vacation because he needed to abide by term limits back then, uh, Medvedev said cutting Russia off from SWIFT would be, and I quote, the functional equivalent of a declaration of war. That's how serious cut off from SWIFT is. In fact, Russia got together with China and Iran 
to try to develop an alternative to SWIFT to disempower the United States. But nobody would put their money in it. So it ended up failing because it didn't have enough assets. But the problem Putin faces is that if we cut him off from SWIFT, uh, his money's not going to be worth anything. Money for nothing. Probably still get his chicks for free, but the money's for nothing. <laughs> chickens, he's going to need chickens. Yeah, he'll need chickens. And uh, it would normally be a source of security to somebody to have money in the bank, uh, because that means you have money. But if your money is in a bank that can't use the SWIFT system, you don't have any money. God, I had a crazy dream. Well, she may not look like much, but it's definitely better than money in the bank in Russia because money in the bank doesn't go anywhere and you can't spend it and you can't do anything with it. Those people who are saying that the United States has no alternative other than to send troops into fight the Russians in the Ukraine are basically uh, full of it. And they're deliberately misleading people because they do not want the United States to do anything about the invasion of Ukraine. They're sympathizers with Russia who would like to see Russia get away with this. So they're saying, oh, you don't want to lose tens of thousands of Americans fighting for Ukraine. What's the point? The point is we do not have to fire a single shot to stop the Russians from invading Ukraine or if they do, punishing them so much that they basically have to withdraw. Number one, we could bar them from the SWIFT system. That would not only send make Putin bankrupt, it would destroy the whole Russian economy because Russia is not a terribly self-contained entity. Their GDP is minor. It's $1.5 trillion. Compare that with the U.S. GDP of $21 trillion. Uh, Russia is a third the size of Germany in its GDP. Germany is three times the gross domestic product that Russia does. France has twice the amount, even though it's tiny in population compared to Russia. So Russia is totally dependent on international commerce, and SWIFT would cut them off from that. It's like an embargo. It's as good as putting ships around Russia and sinking anybody that comes near them. The United States also buys a quarter of a million barrels of oil a day from Russia. We could stop doing that. We could stop buying the oil from them. And uh, that's a very significant cash flow problem for Russia of tens of millions of dollars a day that they would lose. Uh, and we also uh, have the potential of sanctions against individual Russians. And we can stop the pipeline, the Nord East 3 pipeline that's supposed to go under the Baltic. The Russians are using it as a way to bypass Ukraine so they can shut off gas to the Ukraine to freeze them in the winter, uh, but not shut it off to Germany, who they don't want to add in it. And uh, Congress passed sanctions opposing any company that helped build that pipeline. And Trump imposed them. And literally mid-shovel, they were shoveling out the bottom of the Baltic Sea. 
and they had a shovel up in the air above the water. You can see a photo of it, filled with dirt, and it stayed there for four years because they couldn't unload it because that would violate the sanctions and put the company out of business that was building it. So that, And then when Biden came in, the first thing he did was repeal the sanctions. He accused Trump of being pro-Russian. It was the most pro-Russian thing he could do. Now we could reimpose the sanctions, and Germany has indicated that they may be willing to go along with that if Russia, in fact, invades Ukraine. So there's a lot we can do. And this business of saying we can't do anything is simply because we have a president who can't get out of his own way. Hmm. Now, Eureka, we have found the solution to the virus, to the COVID virus. It is another virus. <laughs> God has intervened where Pfizer failed. Uh, God has developed a cure for the virus, another virus. <laughs> the Omicron virus, O-M-I-C-R-O-N, has infected hundreds of people throughout the world, probably by now tens of thousands, and not a single death, not one. We've had over a 100 uh, infections in the U.S., not a single death. See, what this virus does is it competes with the Delta virus, and it's more prolific than Delta. So it goes to a cell, it injects its DNA in the cell, it takes over the cell, the cell becomes a virus, and then when Delta comes along, the cell says, hey, I gave it the office, I'm already filled with your virus, you can't give me any more, I'm full. So the virus can't get in there. So he puts the Delta virus out of business, and then it doesn't kill anybody. Sometimes it sends you to the hospital. Only about 10% of the patients require any oxygen at all. Everybody who gets infected with the COVID virus and requires hospitalization has to have uh, oxygen. But this virus is largely benign. So let's put credit where credit is due and give it to God. Got to thank Mama for the cooking, Daddy for the whooping, the devil for the trouble that I get in. Thank you, God. Thank God for you. And uh, the virus literally is God's salvation against the uh, COVID virus. And um, the problem is that Washington hasn't gotten the message yet uh, because they just announced Believe it or not, they're going to increase their efforts to get people to get a third booster shot against COVID because of the omnivirus. Now, this is a virus that at worst makes you a little sick. At worst, I guess it makes you a lot sick, but not a lot enough to require oxygen and not a lot enough to die. And, uh, and yet Pfizer is so intent on making money from this vaccine. You know, you heard what I told you a few weeks ago. 56% of Pfizer's revenues for this quarter, for last quarter, come from vaccine revenues. They're a huge drug company, biggest in the world, and over half of their revenues come from the vaccine. So this is all a political payoff to Pfizer, which gave Biden 400000 bucks, and then elected him by not releasing the fact that they had a vaccine until after the election, right. a few days after the election, that basically would have elected Trump, should have elected Trump, but in fact helped Biden. And now they're getting paid back for that. So God only knows uh, what we're going to do for Pfizer. 
But seriously, we talk about the power of prayer, and, uh, and, and we talk about its potency. Well, stop and take a look at the power of prayer. We didn't do anything to cause this new virus to eradicate the old virus. The only thing we did was pray. And tens or hundreds of millions of people throughout the world, led by the Pope, prayed to be spared this virus. And probably the leftists sneered and said, oh, these yeah. are just religious extremists and crazies who actually believe when you're praying something's going to happen. Right. Well, it did happen. And it is a miracle. It is one of the all-time miracles of our lives. I mean, parting the waters has nothing on parting that virus and sending a virus to kill the virus. And thank the Lord for that. And let's be grateful for that. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. We were talking about the Omicron, Omni, the Omicron, O-M-I-C-R-O-N variant and how this is basically putting COVID out of business. Uh, it's something that we didn't do. God did it. And uh, thank God our prayers are being answered. Let's go to Gary in East Haven. Hey, Gary. All right, Mr. Morris, and uh, I like your DJ skills there. Thank you. Uh, right. I mean, let's face it. This virus has devastated America. Uh, small businesses have been knocked out. They've been killed. These are poor people. These are people who work hard seven days a week. Um, the thing is, uh, China is being protected. Communist China is being protected. They put the they put this little Keebler elf out there, Fauci, and they, he gets beat up. He's put out there purposely by yeah. the uh, establishment. But I just want to make the point now. It's important for the people to know. This has always been done by the establishment. They trick you. They fool you into believing it. There's certain things that have to be done. Military on the border. Prisons on the border. Deportations. Drug dealers yeah. on the border. Squashed but like flies. But let's stay on. Let's stay on Omicron. Um, I think that, that what we should do is hold China responsible with reparations for the damage that this virus has done. Uh, but the immediate thing we need to do is boycott the damn Olympics. Uh, what Biden is doing is saying that a diplomatic boycott, which means he's not going to attend the Olympics and the U.S. diplomats won't. Well, I didn't think our ambassador to China was going to do particularly well in the 100-meter relay. <laughs> and I didn't think that Biden would capture the gold, silver, or bronze Boxing. for the 200-meter freestyle. Uh, <laughs> these, the athletes are going, and that's what the Olympics counts on. And China counts on the recognition of that. Mm. Just like in the 30s when uh, Hitler wanted the recognition of the Munich Olympics. And everybody came to Munich and they all had, they all saw the swastika and everything. And uh, Germany got away with a big blow for its prestige. And that's what China wants to do here. Now, the mayhem that Biden is visiting on the United States is soon to invade your house in a way that you probably had not anticipated. Your cable TV bills 
are about to go up by an average of 20% because Biden has put in his Build Back Better initiative (laughs) federal regulation of cable rates. No longer will cable rates be entirely regulated by states and localities. They'll continue to be regulated by them, but then there'll be a new layer of federal regulation imposed on top of it. And the cable TV people are saying that that is going to increase cable rates by 20%. Well, you'll never own your cable TV, but the, uh, but literally another layer of regulation. Why do they want to do that? Well, it's obvious. They want to do that to squeeze right-wing networks like, uh, like Newsmax and others off the air. They want to use federal regulation of the cable system for political and partisan revenge. And while they're there, they're going to have compliance costs that the cable TV stations and the system providers will have to meet that will also be passed along to you in your cable bill. So when you look at the inflation that Biden is bringing to the country, don't think that it's ending simply at the grocery store or at the gas line. It's going to invade every aspect of your life. Uh, in fact, there is a tax that he's about to impose that nobody talks much about, which is a methane tax, a methane fee, he doesn't call it a tax, which is going to increase home heating costs if you're one of the 180 million Americans who uses natural gas to heat their home. Those costs are going up just in time for the winter. Really can't stay. Maybe it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Maybe it's cold outside. So between cable fees and home and home heating with natural gas, you're talking about a major increase in living costs as a result of Biden's package. And uh, th- this package just keeps on giving. We don't really <laughs> know everything that it's doing. And we're looking at each aspect of it, and the inflation is incredible. Uh, when he says he wouldn't raise taxes on anyone making more than $400,000 a year, that deserves to be enshrined in the hall of shame of political promises, along with George Bush saying, read my lips, no new Mm. taxes, Barack Obama saying, if you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And now we have Biden's, I will not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. If you believe that, I have a bridge that I can say you're located in Brooklyn. Let's go to Alan in Rockland County. Hey, Alan. Hi, Alan. Yeah, hi. Yeah, how you doing, uh, Mr. Morris? Uh, thank you for having me on, uh, uh, taking my call. What's up? Uh, I have a lot of respect for, for you and your comments and your thoughts. And I felt, uh, that I'm a first-time caller. I Good. felt that uh, Welcome. Uh, you probably understand this better than anybody. And it's important that the public... Uh, but get, get to your point, Aaron, because we're up against the break. Yeah. What's up? Um, the IRS, uh, obviously, the Biden is expanding the uh, budget yep. and putting a lot of people on the IRS. I think it's important for the Republicans to uh, focus um, 
on the fact that there is an organization within the IRS which is called inspection inspectors. Yep. They are very uh, like the uh, in, very important in watching and making sure that the IRS agents do pro- properly do what they need to do. They're not political. Um, and yeah, they but, also don't do any disclosures. Yeah, but, and also, yeah, but wait a minute. Sure. Wait a minute, Aaron. Thanks for your call, by the way. Um, they are members of the Treasury Employees Union, which is the union that controls the IRS. And when I say controls it, I mean controls it. They determine who gets hired, who gets promoted, who works, what the work rules are in each unit. And they're a Marxist organization dedicated to the redistribution of income. And they found the perfect set of foils in the IRS employees. Now, some of these inspectors are good, hardworking people. I know I've dealt with some. And they were fair to me. And they were fair to friends of mine. But don't forget that the IRS has acquired an ideological tint under Biden. It's no longer in the business of revenue collection. It's in the business of soaking rich people and, and, and promoting class warfare. It's in the business of taking from the rich and giving to the government. And that is what the IRS is about now. With the 86,000 additional agents, that's what he's going to make it into, an agency of income redistribution in their socialist state. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in Well, I hate to break the Christmas spirit, but if there is one guy in the United States who I absolutely loathe, hate, and can't stand, it's Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. He is the SOB that put Biden in the White House and put the Democrats in control of the United States Senate. Just to refresh your recollection, we had the election and Biden supposedly carried Georgia by 10,000 votes. But there were many times that number of votes of people who didn't sign their absentee ballots or signed phony names or their addresses were traced to vacant lots uh, and, and, and people who should not have voted. Then when the fraud was exposed, the state legislature begged Kemp, their Republican, to please call us back into session so we can pass a law stopping this from happening again because it turned out that there needed to be a runoff for the two vacant Senate seats, that nobody had won a majority. And they would have passed the law that they ultimately did pass, preventing this kind of fraud from happening again. And one man could call them back in, and one man refused to do it, and his name was Governor Brian Kemp. And uh, now he's announced that he's running again. He's going to be in the Republican primary. And I have a love song for him.
And if you're not on the side that w- that's winning, you'll fraudulently make sure that your side is winning. Uh, thank God somebody's running against Kemp. Uh, David Perdue, who was cheated out of a Senate seat by Kemp, is now challenging Kemp in the Republican primary with the vigorous support, obviously, of Donald Trump. Also running as a very good guy named uh, Vernon James, who uh, is an excellent candidate, but he should get out of the race now and let Purdue have it, uh, because Purdue could defeat Kemp. And it's very important to do that. We have to understand that you can't just walk into the election of 24 and think you're going to win it between the foul lines. you got to first control the governorships and the secretary of stateships mm. in those swing states. The Democrats engineered the coup of 2020 by winning the Secretary of State races in Michigan and Arizona and getting a compliant weasel named Raffensperger in, in Georgia. And they got a Democratic governor to appoint a compliant Secretary of State in Pennsylvania. And the reason those three states had such screwed up counting on Election Day is because the Secretaries of State were in charge of it. It was like bribing the umpire, uh, having an umpire who's a recruit from one of the ball teams. And now we have a chance to reverse that by electing Republican governors, Republican secretaries of state, and in cases where we have pseudo-Republicans, like Kemp and Raffensperger in Georgia, replacing them with real Republicans. And if we lose the election of 2024 or 2022, because they pull the same shenanigans, you know the old phrase, fool me once, shame on you, mm. fool me twice, shame on me. Let's go to Richard in Parsippany. Hey, Richard. Hi, Dick. How are you? Doing great. You know, yeah, so I'm listening to your analysis, and it, it, it seems to have a big gap. I mean, all you're talking about is how we're going to stop Russia, how we're going to stop, like it's reflexive, it's just a reflex. The question is, why do we want to stop Russia? And the answer is, the answer is, well, we have an enemy within in the United States that's ushering in a third world invasion of the United States and attempting to overthrow and justly genocide white people here. So the answer is, we want to go against Russia because Russia's white and the people call no, the shots. No, that's nonsense. Uh, we're going to go against Russia because Russia wants to take over uh, the 200 million people throughout the world and get rid of their freedom and make them slaves again. It wants to take over Ukraine, Belarus, all of those stand countries, the Islamic countries that border Afghanistan and China. It wants to take over Poland and Hungary and Romania and Bulgaria and the old Yugoslavia. And the first step in doing that was taking over separate separatist provinces in the country of Georgia. The second step was taking away breakaway provinces in Moldova. The third step was taking away Russian-speaking provinces in Ukraine. The invasion of Ukraine is the fourth step. The fifth step will be to go after Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, the Baltic countries. And then he'll go after Poland and Hungary themselves. And the whole conspiracy here is to recreate the USSR. Russia's population is 145 million. They've lost 4 million people in the last 20 years. The only country in the world to have its population go down. While it lost 5 million people, the United States has gained 70 million people 
in population. Ours is going up, theirs is crashing down. And their GDP, the size of their economy, is a pipsqueak. They're $1.5 trillion less than France and Spain and Italy and Germany uh, and way, way, way less than the United States. They have no power. But the only power they have is military. And they are determined to use that to take over Eastern Europe and deny hundreds of millions of people their liberty and their freedom. And that's why we need to stand up to Russia, for the same reason we stood up to Nazi Germany. Now, we also have to stand up to China, which is using a different strategy. It's military in Taiwan and in the South China Sea, but through the Internet, it wants to exert mind control over the United States and over the rest of the world. And Trump impeded that by going after Huawei, the company that's the Chinese technology front company that is trying to mastermind this penetration of the world's Internet. Just so I can be explicit about that, I haven't talked about it for the last couple of weeks. China has what they call a social acceptability score. It's like a credit rating. Everybody in China has one. And it's based on eavesdropping on your Internet your text communications, your emails, your podcasts, anything you've said or written. And from that, they build a social acceptability score with those loyal to the regime score high and those who criticize it score low. You have to have a good social acceptance score to get on an airplane, to get on a train in China, to get a good job, to get decent housing. It's all controlled by that score. Now, China is a major shareholder in 2,400 large American companies, and they include virtually our entire entertainment industry. Uh, the um, movie theaters are, for the most part, owned by China. That's why you'll never see an anti-Chinese movie or a movie expo- exposing what they're doing. Um, we have uh, Smithfield Ham is owned by China. Uh, there are all kinds of companies, dozens and hundreds of them, in virtually any field of commerce. The reason China's taking these over is that it wants to have global social acceptance scores for everybody in the country, everybody in the world. And you'll get a score based on what you say about China. And if you ever attack China or criticize it, it's why you don't read articles critical of China, because they're afraid of being blackballed. And if your social acceptance score is too low, Nobody will hire you, nobody will use you, nobody will publish your stuff. I'll be kicked off the air, and we won't have anything except the Chinese propaganda line. And they don't need to take over a country to do it. All they need to do is take over the Internet system and learn through that what everybody's saying about them and who's on their, who's on their good list and their bad list. And then through their shareholding in major companies throughout the world, discriminate against people in employment and housing and everything else based on their social acceptance score. That's China's game plan for imperialism, and it is absolutely terrible. Uh, Let's go to uh, Sandy in New Jersey. Hey, Sandy. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to mention um, two things. One is... um, I live in New Jersey, and the Star, Newark Star-Ledger is a major newspaper, and we have not seen any mention of the Smollett case at all. 
We yeah. haven't really on CNN or uh, on ABC, NBC, or CBS. Um, Newsmax is one of the only outlets that's really covering it. Here we have a guy who completely fabricated attacks on himself, pretended he was a victim, got hailed by the media. Kathleen Harris, Kamala Harris, said that it was a modern-day lynching. Hmm. And now he's proven to be a total fraud. It was a complete hoax. And the left wing is apologizing for him. They're not doing, not saying anything about that. Uh, it's incredible. Let's go to John in Staten Island. Hey, John. Hi there, uh, Dick. Uh, question for you. With these mandates that they want to do, like they try to do here in New York City, and uh, they want everybody vaccinated, where are the actual doctors that go against Fauci that if you have natural immunity, which is having the antibodies because you have the disease, why am I getting yeah. double jab, triple jab, double yeah, you're, stuff? You're exactly right, but but you're but get more up to date in your criticism. Uh, there is now a new variant of this virus called the Omicron, and uh, it does not kill you. Uh, it doesn't make you stronger like that, which doesn't kill you <laughs> normally does. But it doesn't kill you. And uh, why with that vaccine with that? virus killing the Delta virus, we've all got to go get shots. In fact, the uh, CDC just said they're going to push for booster shots because of the Omicron virus. And yet the Omicron virus doesn't kill people. You don't even need oxygen if you got it. Uh, And the reason is that Pfizer is making endless money from this vaccine. Over half of their revenues for the last quarter this worldwide giant company, biggest of the pharma companies, over half of its revenues in the last quarter came from the vaccine. And this is entirely a political payoff to Pfizer for withholding information about the vaccine's development until a day or two after the election so Biden could get elected. So how do we stop all that power? What we do is we don't get vaccines at this point. Mm. We understand that this is a profit-making industry. Before Omicron came in, you were stupid not to get a vaccine. Mm. you got to get a shot. But if Omicron continues and puts the other virus out of business, uh, there's no point in it. And the, all these mandates being brought up by the government are now being exposed really as the payoffs, which they are. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Well, listen to Michael Jackson sing about how she's gone. She's gone. I won't see her again. She's gone. Gone. She's out of my life. And I don't know whether to land. I don't know what I'll do without her. I don't know whether It's terrible. She just left. And it hurts like I'm, of course, referring to Letitia James, <laughs> who is our attorney general in New York State, who has just decided not to run for governor. 
Now, dry your tears. She's not entirely out of our lives. She'll continue to be the most biased, left-wing, crazy radical we ever elected attorney general. And she's now going to busy herself full-time by suing Donald Trump for every supposed commercial fraud in his company. Uh, but um, so, so there is consolation. But she's out of the governor's race. What that means is that the Democrats are going to nominate Kathy Hochul as governor the lieutenant governor, who nobody knows, nobody ever heard of. She's from upstate New York. She's a wasp in terms of her ethnic credentials. And she's not going to get elected dog catcher. (laughs) Uh, I mean, are they kidding? They put her on the ticket because Cuomo needed to run with a woman, probably the only one they could locate who he had not sexually (laughs) harassed yet. <laughs> maybe so wrong. Maybe Cuomo just needed some fresh meat, so he put oh her on the ticket. And, and she's from upstate New York, an area Cuomo has read about but doesn't know much about. And uh, and they put her on the ticket to balance the ticket. Well, now the ticket's unbalanced, and she's now the governor, and they're going to run her again. Now, Juan Williams, I may be pronouncing it wrong, J-U-A-A-N-E. Juan. Juan, It's pronounced Juan? Yeah, I think so. Williams is the public advocate in New York City, number two in city government, and he's going to run for uh, governor in the primary. And he has some chance, but the money is going to be for Hochul, and they're going to nominate her. They're so arrogant, they believe they could do it. There's a rumor circulating around, and I'm reporting this only as a rumor, that I have heard from political insiders that Eric Adams did not want uh, Letitia James to be the Democratic candidate because he did not want there to be two uh, blacks, one governor and one senator, uh, one mayor and one governor, and uh, and that was what that was what uh, is being rumored. But the point is that her the, their withdrawal really creates a situation where the Republicans can win the governorship. And in particular, Andrew Giuliani, the the guy who comes on the air before me, Rudy Giuliani, his son, I think, has a superb chance uh, to be elected governor. Uh, I think that he can win the the Republican primary, and if he does win the primary, uh, I think that he would have an excellent chance of winning the election. By the way, listen to Rudy Giuliani today and every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. and hear Rudy talk about Biden and the mandates. It's the WABC clip of the week. But what's going on with these mandates? I mean, Biden is governed pretty much by mandate. Do you realize, I mean, I, I know Democrats have such a hard time looking at stuff like this, but do you realize the guy is an authoritarian? He's completely inconsistent with the leader of a democracy. A leader of a democracy persuades, you convince, you, 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 you um, encourage, you leave some room for dissent. And, and uh, the vaccines have, have just, they've oversold them. They have created distrust. Rudy, shut up and let me talk about your son. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling the <laughs> listeners that Andrew, Andrew Giuliani has a superb chance to get elected governor now because Letitia James has dropped out of the race. And the Democrats now have a very, very weak ticket in Kathy Hochul, who nobody's ever heard of. And by the way, it's not that she's an unknown running. She's been like lieutenant governor of New York. And if she does the same job as governor, she did as lieutenant governor, she'll have no risk of laryngitis 
because she didn't say a damn thing while she was lieutenant governor. Didn't hear a peep out of her. And it was such a testament to how you could be lieutenant governor without anybody noticing. Reminds me of a play years ago called, um, uh, I forget what it's called, but in the play, there's a guy named Throttlebottom who gets nominated for vice president. And he agrees to run as long as nobody tells his mother he's running. <laughs> and that's what Kathy Hochul is like as the lieutenant governor of the I Sing was the name of the play. And uh, she is a totally ineffective, total nothing as lieutenant governor, will be nothing as a governor. And you have three very good Republican candidates who are running for governor. You have uh, Rob Astorino, who had a fabulous record of fighting tax increases as the executive uh, as, as the chief executive of Westchester County. You have Lee Zeldin, who is a Trump Republican, who stood up for Trump and stood up for his agenda, who's now the congressman from Staten Island. And you have Andrew Giuliani. Now, the problem when a son of a famous father runs for office is that he's not his father. And the first thing you learn is what he's not, not what he is. And the process of building up name recognition that should be a positive process becomes one that doesn't really help you. But in Andrew Giuliani's case, when people begin to meet him and begin to learn what he's about, particularly in the context of every one of the positive things his father brought to New York City Amazing. and New York State being undone piece by piece by piece by Joe Biden with Kathy Hochul not lifting a finger to stop it, uh, you really come to see the need for an Andrew Giuliani. Uh, Rudy was obviously peaked on 9-11. We all saw how incredible he was in leading the city in its comeback. But before that, he saved New York from crime. When Rudy took over, there were 2,000 homicides a year. When he left office, there were 600. Uh, then it was down to 400, and then de Blasio came back, and now it's soaring back up again. Mm. So it's becoming clear that we, what, that we need that kind of leadership back. So whichever of these three men get nominated for governor by the Republicans, do not write them off. I know a lot of people got discouraged when the Republicans lost the mayoralty in New York. But come on, Selwa was a great candidate, but he never had a chance. New York City is Democrat, and uh, and there was no way that he was not going to win that. But Hochul is not may not win. Hochul is weak. Hochul could be defeated. She's a stand-in who made nothing of her previous job as lieutenant governor. Uh, the only way she got on the ticket was by, excuse me, sucking up to Cuomo. Oh. <laughs> that is not a sexual reference. That's just a political reference. And she, uh, and she hasn't done a thing to deserve the governorship. And, uh, her record as governor is basically nothing. She's continuing the mandate. She's parroting Cuomo's line about vaccines. Even as the facts change and we don't need the vaccines because of Omicron giving us immunity naturally through an act of the Lord. And, uh, and yet she's continuing down the same road. And you don't hear her talking about bail reform. And you don't hear her talking about more police. And you don't hear her talking about restoring mandatory minimum sentences. All of the stuff that Zeldin, Astorino, and Giuliani are talking about. 
So let's not write off this election coming. There is a very good chance of winning now that Letitia James is out of this and is out of our lives. So today what we've talked about is that the that literally our prayers are being answered. Omicron, which the media is hyping as, oh, this new plague is descending on us. The hell it is. It's not a plague. There's not a single death from Omicron worldwide out of, out of tens of thousands of cases. Uh, and only 10% of the Omicron patients have to have oxygen when they enter the hospital versus everybody who had the Delta variant or any of the other, the previous variants of this horrible disease. So we're winning in this fight, and we should be very thankful to the Lord for helping us win, because if there was ever an example of an unmerited victory where nothing we did worked, but God stepped in where Pfizer failed and has is, is eradicating this disease. It's incredible. Omicron infects a cell. The cell gets the virus. It can't get another virus because it gave it the office. It has a virus already. And the, and the Omicron and the uh, Delta virus can't get in. And the virus you get gives you a cold and a headache and the flu and maybe some aches and pains, but it does not kill you, which is incredibly important. The other thing I talked about today is an SOS, your, your cable TV bill and your bill for home heating if you use gas are both going to go up by about 20% because of Biden's Build Back Better program. Cable, because he's putting in regulation at the federal level of cable and the compliance costs are going to be passed on to you. And home heating oil, because he's put in a fee on methane, not a tax, but a fee uh, on methane, and you're going to have to pay for it. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.